Howdy, theoriologists. Well, if you are like me, then you are a podcast fan. I mean a big podcast fan. And you have your playlist full of shows that get you through your commute, your job, the workday, the grocery store, making supper. You get the idea. And like me, you want nothing more than for these shows to keep making great content. And you want to support that effort. That's why many of your favorite podcasts have started Patreon campaigns, so that you can show your support for all their work. That is exactly why I have started a Patreon campaign for Conspiracy Theoryology. For less than a cup of coffee each month, you can help this show grow in content, quality, and frequency. And in return, you can get access to patron-only rewards, such as access to the Patreon-exclusive show Expanded Theoryology, where we will go beyond theoryology and take deeper looks at topics discussed in the show, as well as explore other areas and new ideas. With guests, hosts, and candid conversation, there will be new content each month, plus more stuff to come. I know there are tons of shows out there to support, and it's hard to decide, so my goal is to make it worth your while. And if it isn't, you get direct access to tell me and push me to make your experience great. If you are ready to support the show or just curious about what else Patreon has to offer, go to www.patreon.com slash conspiracytheoryology to check out my page. Then stick around and search out your other favorite shows. Now, on to the show. Sometimes our imaginations are captured by the possibility of alternative explanations. Join me as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influenced the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. Welcome back, theoryologists. This time on Conspiracy Theoryology, it's the second half of our Ancient Aliens Theory and Big History discussion. On this episode, Mike and I jump into a discussion of a fairly new educational approach to teaching history. The conversation was part of the same recording session that began with an exploration of ancient astronaut theory. So it will feel like we jumped right into the topic because, well, we did. As you listen to us talk big history, consider the approaches being used to discuss the expanse of history, going back to the accepted beginnings of the universe, and the structure and phasing used to develop this historical narrative. Eventually, we do pull the conversation back to ancient alien, ancient astronaut hypothesis, and you should be able to see some of the correlation that provides perhaps some basis for this almost unparalleled fascination held on the topic. Hope you enjoy. All 
All right, so we've wrapped up uh, in the previous segment. We 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 talked about as much as we could at a, just keeping it high level, introducing ancient astronaut theory, uh, specifically right those those large influencers of of Von Danigan and 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 Zachary Sitchin. So now we can leave that, wrap that up, and and get to our theoryology, and which which we talked about, teased right at the beginning is this concept of big history. And big history is is actually an is is an educational approach. It's a, a, a an idea that was actually kind of spearheaded back in the late 80s uh, by a historian named David Christian. This guy he he taught uh, German history and uh, and German language but was very interested in the idea of of how to explain uh, history and, and the arrival of, of how, I guess, the question of how we got here. And he said, well, we certainly can't just go back the 10,000 years of recorded history, and we can't go back, you know, how far do we go back? Do we go back the 50,000 years or the 100,000 years of modern human history uh, from a... a archaeological or anthropological standpoint, biological standpoint? Do we go back to the age of uh, life on the planet? Do we go back to the beginning of the planet? Do we go back to how far back do we go? And ultimately, he said, actually, the only way to make it work is to go big and go back to the beginning. He pioneered this idea, brought together this, this team of people at Macquarie University in Sydney, Australia. And uh, he brought in uh, speakers from throughout the university from multiple disciplines and just proposed this idea of this lecture series, this discussion from the Big Bang forward to modern day and how to show this progression, this idea of here's how history fits in together as a whole. When, as he was doing that, almost not quite parallel, but other people were picking up on this. And this idea, we're starting it in the early 90s. But he really coalesced it, took it forward. What makes that interesting and, and how big history came about as an idea is that people have been telling stories, right, for millennia since the beginning of mankind about capturing these these big questions of how everything comes into being. And the the, the premise behind big history is that we have we had moved away from this approach and we, we needed to get back to it as then in the nineteenth century as these new sciences of uh, emerging sciences, earth sciences and stuff, like geology. Geology was making it abundantly clear that the earth was was much older than the accepted biblical account based on based on that. And so in these academic circles, the version of history was changing. And it was going back. Well, all of a sudden, there's this unfathomably huge amount of time to explore what history meant, to redefine history. And history suddenly became something that was more than just literary. Well, as these early on, they tried to to formulate these big, all-encompassing ideas and concepts based on science uh, and uh, that, that tried to pull together, again, this big picture. 
of understanding what we'd call history, understanding the world. It got I'm, so overwhelming. And as, I'm trying as to grasp were, that. Right. It 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 is. So 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 looking at this just as a progression, going from the beginning of the nineteenth century, early eighteen hundreds, and this this discovery or this realization that you could figure out times i guess the creation of this geological time right this understanding of what that meant and how you could look back and how the age of the earth based on how rock formation uh, the layers events sedimentary activity um and and i guess i'm just trying to, to wrap around big history in a in a in a way that that is an origin story because to me it's it's i don't know quickly quickly reading over it it's hard to to you know you're teaching a history which i see what they're doing and i love it you're right it's the whole you know we used to sit around in the dark around the campfire and you know that's how every story was passed on in the beginning there was something and then from that something the god came down and did this or then he they seeded this or she opened up the skies and this happened and that's history to me you know okay even 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 the, the mythological part of that is history because it's humans creating that 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 mythology but to to then try and i think this is science overreaching that is one of the criticisms of big history yeah and i and it stems from the complete abandonment of any sort of big picture view from an academic perspective within right. Cause, cause the in sciences. Their, in their own words, because I was reading it, and, and and for the most part, like I said, I like this this concept of teaching, go back to the whole grand picture. But I don't like the way that they're apparently setting it up because it's they specifically talk about, well, when it comes to the human stuff, we breeze through the Renaissance period and we breeze through this period. And they're not that important. But yet I look at the timeline that they give on their own website uh, and two thirds of it is unknown from, from, you know, the beginning of the universe, which they call the dark ages, which I don't like, because now they're using a, a term that has been made for a specific time period. And they're using it again in another part of history, almost to, to steal that, that validity of the term. Well, you already accept that there's something called the dark ages. So we don't even have to verify our science. You're just going to take it as fact because we also called it the dark ages. Uh, well, no one was around in the beginning of the universe to know if it was dark. Maybe the prime, maybe that that singularity dot that explodes into the Big Bang was burning so hot and bright that we were actually just nothing but light. So that's that's a science thing that they're already trying to say is fact. But main point, not to discredit them, is two thirds of their their natural timeline is stuff that you can't teach about history. Because one, this matter-dominated era in space, we weren't there. We don't know what happened. We can tell you how it, it matter-dominated the space because of interactions in the laws of physics, but we don't know what happened. We can't say this spiral turned into this and this cloud turned into that. And this time was the great collision of the nebula. We don't know. But then all of a sudden it gets into, you know, the solar system was formed. Then the earliest life, single cell, photosynthesis, all in this very last little section. And yet they're saying... Well, we just breeze through that because it's that's that has humans in it. Well, <laughs> well, your other stuff has nothing in it. Like there's nothing you can talk about that except 
what goes well, on. Well, and, and that it is interesting. I mean, and that's not history. That's science. that is that yeah. is one of the questions. Is the there there is an argument that history is a it starts with people because that's what history is. It's, it's a recorded, uh, it's a process of recording events in the past. Um, and the, and the, these other, these events, this, the idea of, of geological and astronomical events and the understanding of time flowing through the universe and the progression of things happening is historical but it's not history and it's it is the, not the yes the, it's not the field of history and and it's that historical, is that and i is, agree it's historical that's the argument that's the argument that's that's made is is that as the 19th century progresses and as people move into this there's this rise of this academic specialization um that there's this abandonment of for trying to look at this big picture approach as they're exploring how old is this? The earth is much older. Wait, the universe is much older. And we've got too much to do within just the realms of biology, the realms of physics, the, the realms of, of geology. And the practice of the historian, right? The art of studying history becomes a literary activity again it becomes yeah. based on literary sources they move i don't forward. dispute any of the facts that they're putting forward their timeline looks extremely well put well put together well thought of and and everything on there is one of those proven scientifically so their their historical timeline of the history of the universe and all their fact material seems absolutely astounding you I mean they got nobel laureates you know on in their groups they got you know, they got nobodies that apparently seem to just be really smart. So they said, well, come over to our side. And then they got, you know, Bill Gates that just says, what money? Here you go. Go research, which is great. You know, anytime that you have a, a blank checkbook behind your project, if you don't end up with a great project, then your project was wrong to begin with. So, yeah, I, I don't think I could ever. Um, I don't want anyone to think that I'm bashing the science behind it. I think I'm more so being a very stickler here and saying it should be called the big explanation, not the big uh, history, or it should be called our origin story. Maybe they should present it as a, the scientific origin story. You know, I would be down for that because I'd be like, look, they didn't, they even separated it from religion. They said, this is our scientific origin story. And that's our origin story from mankind, you know, even further back. How did mankind get here? Uh, which, for some reason, we just really want to know more so than where True. we're going. And, and, I think we st we still are more concerned about where we came from than where we're going. In in a whole kind of you know, and, and that is that is an aspect that is aspect that is ultimately, I think, the motivations with big history, especially with David Christian, uh, because yes, it does examine these long time frames, right? It uses multiple disciplines, multiple fields and experts. It uses the mainstream accepted uh, scientific premise for all of these things, right? The processes, our understanding of time, of age of the universe, of the process involved for the formation of, of matter and galaxies and how gravity functions and how light functions and, and which is uh, what we call cosmo then, cosmology. 
and then moving forward from cosmology down to your your actual your earth sciences the progressions the the coming of together of of the planet the uh how the moon was formed right the standard accepted practice of the collision and is that officially the standard I've been out of school so long I think long. that's I think that's more the yes that is more the mainstream accepted position that either another planet or yeah. some sort of body orbiting had had collided with Earth early on, like another almost a little twin sister planet that uh-huh. was nearby, and and they collided, and it's some ultimately what happened is the moon chunked off, uh, and yeah. that's what we're left with, and then progressing on, and and it it goes through that, and it takes that really big picture, in in which case when you're looking at that, yes, you're looking at at what is it fourteen point six billion years. And then you say that once you finally get to this end point of humanity, that is maybe 100,000 years of modern humans on the planet and how that approaches that it's important, but it's not as it's important. It's important because of us, not that it's important in terms of the timescale aspect. I was just going to say. Yeah, it's and, and so, it's almost like so the little kid that wants to be an adult. So we're yeah, coming up with – go ahead. It is. It is. Is we're coming along. But it's saying that when when you try and grasp that that history as a whole and you realize exactly how large it is, large it is figuratively as well as literally, um, that the fact that we have been so influential on our planet – have been so successful as a culture, even with our ups and downs, even with the verge of threat, when so many species have just disappeared, right, through through big existential threats, through big catastrophic events, we've had life move up and down on this planet. And in the grand scheme of things, it's very hard. And of course, and Christian, one of the things he does is he does focus on this this concept of of um, entropy. Right, it's that that law that nature naturally moves towards disorder, which is an often a discussion. Well, if 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 things are supposed to move towards disorder, how did things happen in the first place? How did we? How could complex organisms like us possibly come around? He makes the argument that actually chaos loves complexity, and he'll use the example of looking at a very large city, right? A a very complex society, societal structure like. Tokyo or New York City, um, you know, uh, places like that that are immensely complex, immensely chaotic, are extremely complex, highly developed structures, entities in and of themselves. And that's that's what the way he's interpreted this uh, this idea of the complexity, the biological complexity that is not just first singular single cellular life then multicellular life and then complex multicellular life then finally cognitive self-aware life us and and he moves on through uh, and of course it gets all the way through that uh it's it's broken up into nine phases this these these thresholds he refers to them as as uh well, it's eight thresholds plus a ninth, almost a question, the of increasing complexity. He takes that through, right? The first one is the Big Bang and the creation of the universe. The second one is 
the creation of first complex objects okay. and yeah. stars yeah, exactly. about right. I got it. You got it right here. It's it's interesting. Uh, you have yes, and, and moving through chemical you, elements, yeah, formation of planets, yeah, it, it, and finally, finally, the evolution of life at, at three point eight billion years ago, and then level six is finally us uh, at two hundred fifty thousand years ago. Then throws out the appearance of agriculture at eleven thousand years with the Neolithic era. And then that eighth evolution or eighth uh, threshold is the modern revolution. This what we are today. This modern era of complexity. What what the real kicker, I think, and as as we're look, both looking at it, is this this idea of of questioning what's going to happen next in the future. Is saying that part of part of big history is understanding, I guess, big future. Uh, kind of sort of you know i was reading one phrase kind of kind of stuck out with with me where it says they're taking we are taking the best evidence from physics and the best evidence from chemistry and biology and we're weaving it together into a story they're not going to learn how to balance chemical equations but they're going to learn how the chemical elements came out of the death of stars and that's really interesting. So that's their kind of take on, they, they to sum it up for people, what they're going to be teaching. We're not going to teach you the, I'm not going to teach you how to build a bridge. What I'm going to do is teach you how all the materials of that bridge came into existence and, yeah. and, and how they got here. Uh, that's, and, and, and that's good as long as I, I, I want to hear them follow it up with, and you better go out there and then learn how to balance that chemical equation. Well, that's exactly right. Hopefully they're saying that big history is part of this uh, complete breakfast, right. you know, and, and it's got everything else into it. It's just one. Otherwise, it just turns it's, turns into another dumb you down method of, of it, well, we're going to teach you this, but not actually how to science. We're going to teach you. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I think I think that has to be, you know, you, you do have to to look at it from multiple angles and treat this as a, a course, right? It's not even a discipline. It's a, it's uh, a course. I and, like and, that. Yeah. A course. Yeah. And, 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 and ultimately, like you said, what they're trying to do is build a narrative and the, it, it's really, it's trying to offer an origin story, an origin story that makes for more than 10,000 years ago, we started writing down things and started recording history. Um, and so before that, we were not really sure what was going on other than they were, they so, started farming and, and they started maybe building things out of rocks and, and stuff like that there, but that's a whole different discipline. So, you know, I'm going to stop talking about it as a historian and you get to go talk, you get to go take an, an anthropology class or an archeology span class to learn any of that stuff. Right. It's saying, well, no, no, that's part of the history that influenced. Why did the language come about? And then before then, why did agriculture come about? And before then, what pushed them to, a, what pushed hunter gatherers to a region that eventually they might start agriculture. And before then, how did we figure out to be hunter gatherers instead of just wild animals? And before then, how did the, Where animals- did the ancient aliens land? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, 
So, and and again, and we'll get to that. I think we definitely have to lead to that. And that's the point here is that big history tells a story. And and I think this, this, I found something that really sums it up well. And it's a, it's a conversation that I found on a website called the conversation discussing big history and why we need to teach modern origin. Uh, It was a 2012 article. And it, it really wraps this up, the, the intent, the purpose of big history as an educational approach uh, for a, almost an introductory educational approach. It says that effectively that all, all human societies have been constructing and teaching creation myths and origin stories. And then they're big, they're powerful they're larger than life, and they try to tell how everything came to be. Uh, they they do this to offer a map to us, a point, a starting point for us to place ourselves and orient ourselves in terms of this story. Uh, we are not just here now, just because we're here now because of it. It allows for us to be to be part of something greater full spiritual traditions have these right large religions small-scale communities major institutionalized organization religions national cultures have this it also says that traditional origin stories were central to education because they gave shape and meaning to knowledge the point of learning this is to know where this came from and what will happen next you can learn Origin stories now, I mean, we're all familiar with origin stories now. It's something that's very popular, even in even in when we look at media and entertainment. And uh, is, we like to hear those beginning stories, right? Now it's the superhero origin stories. Uh, it's the big adventurer stories. It's the romantic origins. It's it, Our books, our movies, our television always start at a beginning. And when they don't... Right, it's it, they build up, and you the the origin is is um, it's the mystery of the un, origin. It's unfolded to us slowly, right? That is part of you're meant to discover it because that's a drawing but, effect. To the that's a one part of history right. that that almost seems absent of proof in almost every historical situation, which is that defining moment, that origin moment. You have artifacts of developmental moments when when you know throughout uh um you know a historical period either something happens you know stars start being formed in outer space or life appears on a planet or planets themselves start coming together and that has physical bits of evidence you know even from the that moment that second that very first moment after that the origin, the moment of creation of anything, of your myth or of the universe, there's an element of evidence. Well, we know it created stuff because we have stuff all around us. But in every origin story, there's always a, a, a lack of that evidence. How did it first start? Uh, yeah. it, you know, the, the old ones, we don't know. We, we have no one there, no eyewitnesses, no tangible physical evidence. And in the universe, trying to explain that as early man to ourselves, let alone our kids and and our tribe. Uh, It it required us to develop some very, you know, different ways of thinking than we'd ever done before. Because before then, we just kind of looked up, saw the moon, and we, you know, 
even probably in our very early man stage, just kind of didn't give it much thought, maybe. It's it's a big, bright object. We gave it about as much thought as, as monkeys nowadays do. It's there. I know it's there. Eh, it brings me light, and sometimes it goes away. But then there was a moment someone woke up and said, that's that's not just there, it's something. And now that it's something, that something had to come from somewhere. And I want to know where. The well, end. and think about it exactly. Like you said, they... What about the first time they stepped out and looked up at the sun and then couldn't see anything for, you know, a few minutes or a few hours? Right. And realizing that, wait a second, this bright, shiny thing is so powerful that it has affected me physically. It is powerful and it is more powerful than me. What is it? Yep. Who is it? Where is it from? And 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 there are those. And so, you know, that and, and that's how... That's how we learned for so long as a as a species. It got, I guess, maybe so complex. You know, big history talks about this this progression through to more and more complexity. As we got more and more complex, we we siloed everything. We siloed our knowledge to the point that it was it was it was very uh, self contained, and they didn't cross. They didn't bleed over. You, uh, if. Um, if you were a, a a cultural anthropologist, you didn't really care about geology. Right. Uh, you weren't looking other than s- very minor things that might be affecting the people. You know, oh well, this was this was influencing this culture, and so that happens to be something that's that's biological or <clears throat> or uh, geological or or even perhaps. No, in sciences now, the, in the fields of sciences, you tend to only use other scientists to, when you when you want them to help you prove your theory. You're never really using them to help discover something new, and you're not really ever going into to cross field exploration with the idea of finding new stuff uh, because you know immediately you'll be you'll be considered crackpots, uh, and that, which is weird, just for the fact that you're working with other people. Because generally when that happens, you know, different stories start to unfold. It's really yeah. easy to go anthropologically, this is what happened. And then it's really easy for a geologist to go, well, geologically, this is what happened. But then when you add the two together, you go, no, a third thing obviously happened completely different. People don't, there's a new origin story and you don't, it makes people uncomfortable. Right, so, right. It is. I, the, all of these disciplines, these fields of academic study, uh, the more advanced you are, the more uh, qualified you are then the the more focused and specific you are we don't we don't teach these this origin story anymore in, in big modern educational systems big secular education no systems. it's a real we quick we, big bang we, hey this is big bang that's what happened and then now we're on earth yeah. so we've actually just become so used to to not having them right that absence of that approach that it doesn't even it hasn't seemed odd to us to not learn one, but that's what made this a new idea. It's not it, it, this big history approach isn't a new idea. It's almost a rediscovery of how we used to think when maybe when science was smaller, perhaps when history yeah. was smaller, because it originally came from these big mythological records and stories. That was our history. So it was always big picture, and the sciences came out of that initially 
it was when they started discovering so much more and the and the world became so much older and so much bigger and i say the world reality right the universe became nearly infinite and the the breadth of of biological life on the planet became huge geologically there was so much to study it became huge the understanding of chemistry the understanding of all these fields that you just people focused in on them and and it maybe it took that maybe it took an entire period of this this dark time of forgetting the big picture in order to to focus on the details but now here's an approach that says well wait let's step back and put it all together and paint a picture well i mean that's a good way of that's that's a I like that, but it's also tends to retroactively uh, validate their, you know, some of the older theories. The reason it, it, the reason it kind of probably dropped off to begin with was because at some point in in our education uh, history, schools and professors and colleges and high schools and everything decided we're going to teach facts, right? Known facts uh, with in the science classes with a little bit of theory thrown in there. But it, I mean, it, the Big Bang is is still debated, <laughs> you know. And now, granted, it's only debated roughly on semantics and stuff like that. But it's still debated. So it, in the 1800s, you you know, eventually they said we can't teach this origin theory of everything like this because a lot of this stuff isn't provable at at their at their time. At the time. At the right. time. So, right. it, yeah. so it fades yeah. away. You you have to stop teaching it because they're great theories and scientists love bantering back and forth. But when it comes to walking in your classroom as a professor and teaching it, you kind of have to go, okay, this is what we know. Well, and big history has – exactly. that. If if that is going now, to be a representative of this this coalescence of, of – mainstream accepted science and i keep saying that very specifically to say this is what when what the what the consensus accepts for for the established practice so right now gravity is a uh, a force a, a force not a property if if emergent gravity as a concept proves to make more sense it will change and 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 gravity becomes a just a uh, a function or a product of matter and space time and, and all of that stuff, and it's no longer recognized as a, a force. Then big history would have to change, and actually that would have cascading effects, and so big history would see some big waves. Okay, so I was just going to ask you because I I immediately sort of see a correlation in mankind in in early man who developed origin stories all right where did the night sky come from where did it all come from right the original origin where did it all come from and then okay the first guy that told that story probably took up half the night drank all of their you know alcohol and was wasted by the end and that was it and i think mankind ourselves we broke it down and you'll see where I'm getting at this is we broke it down ourselves. We broke up our origin story because it was much easier to handle that way because we said, well, wait a minute. If we have this one big origin story, all right, and we say that's our origin story, and yet this newest fact is proven true and it completely changes our story, 
that means for however long we've been teaching it, it's been wrong. Now, you know, we know how hard it is to change scientific doctrine. All right. A, a short of proof put in front of cameras to the world, scientists don't change their thought process much. And it takes a lot. So they'll come up with reasons not to accept anything. So I like big history. And, and like I said, the facts all there and everything. I don't know if it should be taught of as an origin story because you learn one little thing. You know, gravity isn't what we thought it was, guys. Or we learn something along the same lines as we learned that, you know, it doesn't actually take as long for a fossil to form as we once thought. So that completely changes the timeline of, of stuff that happened on Earth. Now, what if they find out, you know, it really doesn't take as long for for uh, noble gases and elements to coalesce in space and form clouds and, and galaxies. Well, that fundamentally changes everything. That means that we had civilizations and galaxies that could have popped up moments after the Big Bang, which makes the origin story completely wrong. So maybe maybe the reason we got away from teaching this to begin with was because scientists in their own right, their own fields said we needed to. You can't teach a big thing as fact when it can be when it can be wrong so easy. We have to start getting down to specific fields so that if one thing's wrong, it doesn't domino affect our whole scientific way of thinking. It may collapse your specific field of archaeology, but it didn't completely collapse geology and, and volcanism and meteorology and everything else, like if we had lumped it all together. But perhaps that's what the benefit truly is, right? Because if you can see this, this large picture and a change and you can you see that that one change and actually how it fits in and how it does affect things, it could perhaps either help bolster it as a you know an improved a new fact right? Im improved knowledge and understanding. Or if it has a cascading effect that is getting a, a negative, that has a negative influence or impact to how we understand everything else, perhaps it is going the wrong direction. Because something that is so contradictory to everything else can perhaps be an argument made that um, it, it's, it's so, it so completely contradicts everything else and every other discipline and their understanding of it, that it's hard to believe that it's going the right direction. And I would accept that if, if I could believe for a second that, that the scientific community were at a stage in our you know timeline where they openly could go, hey, we love it when we're wrong. We love it when, when things change. Because then I'd be like all four presenting the big picture all the time. And that continuous uh, teaching of our origin story in the cosmos, in the grand scheme of things. But I personally don't see that nowadays. I see scientists that you can show them they're wrong and they, you know, they're just like, nope, sorry. Uh, you know, unless it's peer reviewed by 100,000 people, uh, unless it's, you know, voted on in Belgium by a, a brainiac crew of scientists locked in a room somewhere, then we don't acknowledge it as, as truth. And you're like, but, but it's obvious. And it's not just obvious, it's it's known consensus obvious. We looked outside today and clouds were green. And the scientists, no, no, they were still white. You know, and unless you can physically, unless you can prove this, you're like, well, look outside. Nope, 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 nope. We all know water vapor is white and it's just impossible. Well, okay. 
you have it your way. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was a lens flare, but it could be um, a catch 22. Swamp, this that swamp this gas. theory, if green, green clouds or swamp gas. <laughs> this theory could be the thing that kicks scientists butts into, into being better, trying to figure out us, the, the origins of stuff, or even science is hard. So if I can trick you into going, see, if you have to admit you're wrong all the time, maybe you'll start being better at, at this origin, at putting together this story to begin with, uh, you know, st stop, you know, uh, presenting things as fact until you know, it's true. So I kind of like that. This, this is like you said, if it's out there and one little thing can change it all, it's not necessarily bad in science's eyes because a failure is not bad. A failure is, you know, still a success. And and I hadn't considered big history the, to be the conspiracy, but you know that is a perspective on it. Is using oh. it in that regard as as that. But I mean that's that's ultimately uh, that's that is the crux here, and that's why we can use this to <laughs> it, go back to our discussion because you you know with with big history, you know it's talking about that. It is taking it is taking this multidisciplinary approach. It is putting together history of what we understand about the universe from big bang to present. And it is, it is painting a narrative about how those things must have affected everything else along the way, each step along the way to get us here. And then finally with the, the, these things uh, ca being catalysts and catapulting, at these various stages, right? These, these various events and moments, and then getting us to our complex, very complex society. And then finally wrapping it up all in a bow and saying, now that we're here, we are so small on the timeline and yet so powerfully influential within this, this history that it is up to us to make those correct decisions. You know, we've, we harnessed, we harnessed the the power of of fossil fuels, but what's the next step? And we harnessed the power of the atom. Are we responsible enough to to deal with that correctly? And are we spot? And those those are the that that's the position that David Christian takes. Uh -huh. I mean, that's ultimately how it is. So so there's there's definitely a perspective, and there's definitely a personal motivation, and I, I don't want to say agenda. He's he genuinely believes this is how it wraps up and leads but it is painting this origin story that gives us as a species and as a collective culture and civilization a an, an initial motivation that that monomyth right that that motivation that that catalyst that starts the universe and ultimately ends with us to say see with this huge process and everything that it took just to get here and now we are that that complex apex point of that all of the rest of that was working towards. So now let's be better and move it forward and make sure that big history gets bigger. Um, um, there we go. That's the key that I think big history uh, could 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 uh, be a very beneficial thing because it's as, as long yeah. as it's pushed towards do better in the future because it does have a danger. Whenever you present the whole big picture to anybody, it it, it does have, and I see this in origin stories, uh, in my, you know, in our, in in religions, uh, where there's a danger. If you see that 
in the grand scheme of things, how insignificant your moment is, there is a danger that you stop trying to be better. Why bother? Uh, now, it's all relative. It's all relative, baby, right? If, if Einstein was here, he'd yeah, be yeah. pulling his shades down and say, don't worry, it's all relative. Um, because, <laughs> because here on Earth, that that 500 years of knowing the whole big picture that 10,000 years it's not so insignificant because we could be around for another 130,000 years a million years as as humans uh but teach me a big history where it's 13.8 billion years and uh show me on the timeline how well technically if i was to draw this timeline just 1 inch longer human beings aren't even going to make it to the to the end of that next inch well, you know what? I'm going to go Thelma and Louise it right off a cliff because uh, what's why bother then? No matter what you do on Earth, no matter how many people you better, the, no, no matter how many spaceships you build and leave, because you can only go so far in our solar system, in our galaxy. Our galaxy is going to collide with Andromeda and we are going to be torn to shreds. It's a fact. It's known. Look up in the sky and you can see your future. It's it's death and destruction and the most horribly awesome cosmic collision you could think of. But we are still concerned with our future. So we could, we could, right. The right. Big, big history can tell you, you don't have a future in the grand scheme of things, but we don't want to teach that. You don't want to imply that as the, because everything up until history had one thing lacking from it, the human element, you know, and maybe that's our arrogance on our planet. And, but until a whole bunch of other alien species come and federation it out, you know, on our front lawn, uh, I can still believe that we're the, the bee's knees, you know, and that, and that look at what the difference is now in the universe. We're here. So maybe we can change that. Maybe we won't be a dot in the cosmos, in the timeline. Yeah. Uh, and when we're, and we're reading that history in order to learn that it's, it's, it's understanding that, <clears throat> Yes, history maybe is 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 what's written, but let's stop thinking about what's written as uh, simply our our language, right? The history of of written language. Uh, a lot of that history is written. You know, you can microspherules uh, that are these beautifully formed, wonderful little tiny microscopic uh, spherical metallic pieces are the result oftentimes of impacts. I mean, it's high pressure and it's high impact. Well, that's that's written history right there. Any geologist would tell you that he could read those as yes. an, an impact event or, or some sort of high high event, maybe perhaps a, a context of a volcanic explosion, a, a, a eruption, something of that nature. But um, <clears throat> that history is written. And it's followed, and it's not necessarily obvious to one discipline that, and it's regularly apparent to another. And if you put those together, it starts shaping that. You know, big history is a term. Maybe it's a big, nice. Maybe it's a. Maybe it's the incorrect term for it. Although we do contextually understand history, and I do. Yeah, I, I mean everything that happened before. Yeah. Now. No, if they had um, added big history of the universe, I. I mean, there's nothing wrong with. I, I, yeah, I can see where bit the the term big history in in their goal to get the origin story out there to elementary, secondary, and 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 colleges, which 
kind of shocked me when that was on the list because I'm like, what colleges? But you just said you're not going to teach people to do the equations. You're just going to teach them about the stuff that's in the equation. I'm like, that should not be in there for a college. Uh, But yeah, so I, I agree with this. I'd like my children, all three of my girls, I would sit down and, you know, if this was a book, like a science book, the big history, I think I would enjoy reading it with them. You know, yeah, and 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 I think now there's many people have have, have adopted this approach. Uh, it's being introduced, obviously, this big history project that is being supported by Gil, Bill Gates, as, as you were mentioning. Uh, they're seeing these programs. Uh, science teachers, history teachers are yeah. picking it up in middle schools, and and that that's the program in the U.S. Anyway, it's obviously been been seen in, in Australia. It's being picked up in, in other parts of Europe. It's, it's just being picked up globally. Um, and it, again, it's part of an overall education. Uh, it, obviously if people stop just there, well, they've, they've received, uh, the beginning or the origin story 101, and that's it. Uh, it's, it's that, what is it? The, um, <clears throat> in hitchhiker's guide, what was it? The history of life, the universe and everything, something like that. Uh, yes. You know, it is, it's, it's just, it is very much the cliff notes version. And I'm sure there's multiple approaches with big history and different interpretations about what should be focused and prioritized within that. Uh, as long as the, the framework and the understanding of what it's trying to do, of trying to paint a, a narrative that we're, that's very appealing to us. And I've talked about that in, in past episodes is the the appeal of, of narrative that we like to have. And, and that origin and that understanding of that catalyst and how you fit into a bigger story, a bigger narrative and a bigger purpose. And then ultimately because of that, with great power comes great responsibility. And I, you know, and uh, uh, how us, where we are now, uh, even though we've got 13 plus billion years behind us, that going forward, if we want another, any time, another 13 billion years, that we need to make sure that we're making the right decisions and understanding what's behind us as well as what's in front of us. And perhaps, perhaps it definitely need. I guess it really needs to focus as well on where we're at right now and not forgetting that point. And I think it does it really well without trying to bring up a lot of the things that are hot button controversial topics right now. And instead saying, look, just here's where we are. Where are we going forward? As opposed to getting so caught up with whether or not this or that, you know, no, take your it's great. Take your hot button topic right now of, of choice these days. Yeah, no, I like it because it's a scientific story. Uh, or lesson, I should say, I wouldn't call it the scientific lesson. It does, you know, it, it's, it's nice to have something like this, someone lump everything together in a, in a chronological order uh, and teach it to us without every five seconds having to go. But now someone also thinks this, and now someone also thinks this, and they pretty much sum up that, that they're, that they don't do that. I like that because it says a teacher talks about it. Uh, it doesn't give her name, but it says, unlike conventional history, big history tends to go rapidly through the detailed historical eras, such as Renaissance or ancient Egypt. It draws on the latest findings from biology, astronomy, 
geology, climatology, I mean, a whole bunch of the, a whole bunch on the list of, of sciences, climatology, prehistory, archaeology, anthropology, evolution, biology, chemistry, et cetera, et cetera, geology, paleontology, ancient history, physics, uh, economics, economics and the universe. You can toss that one out. Come on now, big history. Really? In the beginning, there was about 13 cents in the universe <laughs> and we invested it economically in the growth of stardust and it boomed. There uh, is someone out there laughing at you about the understanding. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the economic, the concept of economics and in, in, of energy. No, and, no, and no. The, go sit the on economy a of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> you're not, no, you're not going to oh, tell me that, that there's some alien out there crunching numbers of the stars. Sorry. No. But no, I like it. They basically, oh, with that statement, said that, that hey, we're using confirmed uh, science that, that we say is true at right now in history. It may be wrong later. We don't care. As of now, we say it's true, and it does, this is what we're going to teach. And, cause, and I like that because right now I'm having a problem with the whole professors and even some high school teachers starting to teach what they believe is true. And I'm like, look, it's cool to discuss that, but don't be teaching it. Well, but that's uh, and that's a perfect point to do this. Is is the fact of the matter is, we could keep going on and discussing it, but this is just, you know, this is that that example concept for that very reason, and, and why, you know, speaking of of individual perspectives, why I think this is a good way of understanding how we how we view and why we're so fascinated by that uh, ancient astronaut theory. Oh yes, when I mean, we, I love, when uh, we sit yeah. when we sit down with uh, with big history, we can discuss it and debate <laughs> it. You sound like a lobbyist or an anti-lobbyist. Yeah. I got in bed with big history. We're gonna go up and lobby should, for cosmic economics. <laughs> I, you know, I should have known if we're gonna call it big history, it definitely is a conspiracy because it is some oh, sort yeah. of cabal. It must be. Yeah. No, but. Look, when we talk about this as a topic and this approach, because it is built off this mainstream science and mainstream understanding of history and uh, mainstream interpretations of how mythology played a role and and how we understand age and, and matter and the universe and everything, right? The life universe, the universe, the life and everything. I don't know. But because of that, people people can be attracted to it without, I guess, feeling so without that pesky side of, of talking about aliens. Right. And so we can, we can debate this and say, Oh wow. You know, it is pretty interesting to try and understand an origin and understand what things may have been catalysts for, for life. I mean, big, big history does not try to answer specifically how did life start? It does say progressively that things came together, life developed, life formed, and that was a milestone point, right? That was a transition point, but it's not going to get into the details. It just says that there's a catalyst, something happened. Then uh, that that next step up to more complex life and that next step up and then societies. What What caused societies to form? Well, there's some assumptions, there's some things, but it, at some point there's a leap, between just people gathered together in order for for uh, protection, in order to uh, sustain for longevity, simply risk aversion to we're going to actually work together and function as a 
group in something that, that we could call a societal entity, a culture. And people are even willing then to discuss and debate and differ between maybe some of the things that are still questioning. When did this happen? What caused what? this? What did that? What did that? And and we do that in the framework, and then we think through what what ultimately where we're trying to go. Well, ancient aliens as a theory, ancient astronaut theory, did the same thing, except it you know when Von Daniget put it together, he filled in his gaps not with mainstream science, not mainstream archaeology, not mainstream. Uh, history, but this this idea that these jumps, these changes were too big to have just happened. He made assumptions based not on necessarily the the physical evidence in front of us. He started to make assumptions, whole whole theories based off of the lack of evidence in front of us. So it's kind of like, well, the proof. Uh, uh, you know, of, of, of Atlantis existing. And this is, this is an example you could use uh, is the fact that, oh, well, there is no Atlantis nowadays. Well, that proves that, but that proves it existed and then fell into the sea. Why? Because we have someone that said it was there and then it wasn't, and there's no evidence of it. So that must mean that it was there and it completely got obliterated. That kind of, of thinking has never been mainstream in science because it lacks evidence, you're basically kind of going off of the negative, the void of stuff and saying, well, the proof is actually the lack of evidence. Uh, um, and it's weird because ancient aliens theory is, is, is that it's, it's the lack of evidence of mankind's ability to do something. In other words, we couldn't have just built the pyramids because the evidence of us learning how to build the pyramids isn't there. And then even when we show the bent pyramids, it's one of those, but you can't show me how we came up with the idea of a, of the bit pyramid to begin with, you know? So, so he kind of goes, well, we, there's, which is kind of ridiculous. You know, he goes, well, there's no papyrus that sit there and, and says, um, today I had a crazy idea. I'm going to build a bunch of rocks on top of each other to a point. And because he doesn't have that evidence, he is, he makes the assumption uh, that we didn't, we didn't come to that, that conclusion on our own, that we could do this, that someone came from somewhere, his theory would be ancient astronauts, uh, and gave us this information. They said, Hey, your house smells like cow dung. Oh, wait, it's cause it's made of cow dung. You know, you can make bricks out of clay. And, uh, uh then a little bit later on, they came back because that's one of his main theories is it, it, it wasn't. His is kind of the first origin of mankind theory. Uh, well, not of mankind itself, but of our of our history. You know, that the, we were helped along in our history. We'd kind of be nothing without ancient aliens intervening. And that every now and then they'd come back and say, okay, now we know that we told you how to make a brick uh, a long time ago. And now we're going to teach you how to cut stone. Uh, and not just regular stone, huge obelisks and stuff and move them. Uh because we hadn't figured it out by then. It is. And it's definitely, you know, it's, it's a leap in it. There are leaps in logic, but there's definitely a, a logic to his thinking, but they are big leaps. They are filling in the gaps 
and and maybe that maybe the uh some of the criticisms are merited this this idea that these cultures these peoples of of antiquity could not possibly have taken those sort of intellectual leaps on their own right. is that's that perhaps that's fallacy you know and 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 not only that perhaps insulting but I it is it is I, hard to reconcile with the fact that we're often told so much that that this is the most advanced we've ever been and peoples of uh, in antiquity uh, and ancient peoples they didn't possibly have any sort of understanding or skill or you know when we make those arguments that well maybe they were observing astronomical activity and movements and and perhaps they understood this and perhaps they were harnessing some level of electricity or had an advanced understanding of of mechanics and the you know the hand is slapped to say no 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 they they're not they're not at that level these are paleolithic people or this is bronze age people and there's there is intelligence there there's wisdom there but there's only so much technological advancement that occurred okay well if that's the case either prove that all of this stuff that they've done is really easy from with the idea of simple mechanical tools right, right? pulleys levers uh, using leverage all of that sort of stuff or explain how this stuff was was so easily built and we need people like like von Daniken out there it's he shouldn't ever be treated and and the ancient astronaut theory should never be treated as some insulting horribly pseudoscientific atrocity because in all honesty without people like him that go out and say wait there is a what if side to everything then we kind of sometimes forget to go back and look at things that we put aside in the past you know in in, in ancient egypt and ancient samaria in in places like in turkey gobekli tempe uh and different sites around the world um which here, let me read you a couple. Uh, yeah, you could take yeah, in South the sar- America, the sarcophagus, sarcophagus of Palenque. That's the one in, down South America where you see the guy, and they say it looks like he's riding yes. on 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 a the rocket spaceship. Uh, the bent pyramids, uh, pyramid of of Chepos. What is it? Chops, chops. I really hope that's Chops. I was hoping that was Chops because I'd be like, God, if I was a pharaoh named Chops, that'd be so cool. <laughs> Like, that would be Cheops. Where are you going today? Me and Chops are going to go cruise around in a chariot. That'd be oh. awesome. Um, without people going and saying, hey, wait a minute, no one ever explained this. So I'm going to come up with an alternative theory. Uh, and then mainstream science has to turn back around and either go, oh, hey, well, we didn't think about that. That could be true. Or no, no, that that's that's wrong. That's wrong in every way. That's not how reality works. Now they're forced to explain their side right now they have to go because this is what happened and and so you know there's people that scientists that still can't prove von daniken wrong on half of his stuff half of it's immediately you can prove wrong you can be like no you but there's other stuff that they look at and they go darn it you know we don't know what it is von daniken could be right he created this origin uh myth of ancient aliens because human beings want an answer and throughout our life cycle, we've searched for it. We've, we've created origin stories to make ourselves feel like we have a, a true history on the planet. Like we have a purpose where we were 
whether it was a cosmic universe that put us here, whether it was a God that put us here, or whether it was a complete accident and no purpose whatsoever. Either way, we want to know. And by wanting to know the past, we see the future and the present and all that at the same time. And people like Von Daniken get us back to those roots of wanting to go back to origins, you know, creating. And that's absolutely right. I mean, I think that that does a very good job of, of, of summarizing it. You know, as, as we start to wrap this up, that's that's ultimately the point in, in looking at these two different big concepts. Uh, ancient astronaut theory has had 60 years to be picked through, criticized, reviewed, argued for, debated against, all of that. But it, when it was first introduced, it caught on and it spread like wildfire. Yeah. And it was for a reason. It wasn't because it involved aliens. That was fun. That was appealing. It 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 answers some questions. And at the time, we are talking about a movement that's going on within the world, an attraction towards these ideas of alien visitations, of UFOs, the increases in sightings, the you know, the beginnings of, of the abduction phenomenon, all of that stuff. And and that paranormal frenzy that was beginning to build in the the middle twentieth century. Um, so this 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 obviously was fed from it, but ultimately this gave us a big picture view of the history of mankind. And it said this stuff is more connected. There's actually a narrative here. It's not just every dis- everything is just a, a disparate piece in and of itself that doesn't communicate here and doesn't communicate there. That's what made it catch on. Of course, it, it, it may completely fall out of favor. It may eventually fade or it may stay popular. But when we see something like Big History come along and it's doing its same thing, it's a new idea and a novel approach to modern mainstream science and history and painting this big picture again, this big narrative, this big origin story, and it's catching on. And it, it, it's that appeal. It, there's, there's an appeal people have to, to that approach and how to understand that. Now, is it going to go through in 40 years and have some of its criticism, have its debates? Oh, it's already receiving its criticisms. Right. What will be there's funny of people- is in 40 years, the grand unified big history theory will be broken apart and studied individually in different sections by different scholars who create specific fields just to go over one specific part of it. So it'll ch- yes, it'll change too. What it does is it presents stuff in a way that that I think the very first man presented it and said it's why things like ancient alien theory when it popped up, you said it, it caught on like wildfire. The big uh, history, I think it will do the same thing. You know, the more and more I scroll through and look at it and read it, I'm just like from a scientific approach, I'd love this to be the book everyone has first on their science shelf. Read that yeah. book and then go from there. In other words, this this big history is in no way going to try to disprove anybody's theory on anything out there. If anything, they're saying, look, all of y'all complaining that there's no universal book of data that every single scientific field can use for their the start of something. Here it is. Here's Here's from the beginning of us in existence in the universe till now. And every single... One of your specialty sciences can take this book and go, okay, da 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 da. Okay, now I can 
go springboard. That's the same. Here is your book of everything. That's the yeah. same. I mean, that's that's the same thing ancient man did with an origin story. You know, we said, see the sun going over that mountain. That's where the mountain god sleeps. That's where the sun god sleeps in those mountains over there. And then I don't know why we're all asleep. He sneaks around the world and pops up over here until that origin story had been passed around and someone decided to question it. Right? They go to the mountains, and then they say, oh, this, "The sun's not here. It sets even further away." And a whole new origin story gets created and the old one yeah. either gets changed or dropped off. So we see that evolving in our, or our own origin story uh, with our knowledge because we want to either prove or disprove the last one. Uh, the big history being the latest one was able to springboard off of past origin stories. And then ancient alien theory kind of got people going a different direction. Zachary Stitchin got people going a different direction. And right. And that, right, absolutely. that springboarded scientists to go, well, now we got to prove ourselves right. We got to show the world that our science is right. Boom. The big, they go and explore stuff. The big history is formed. Hey guys, by, by trying to, by having to prove that we're not just lying here and that our science is real and our story is real, we had to put together another origin story. And this one is all encompassing. So it's not going to leave stuff out. It's going to start with the beginning, go all the way up until now. And the only way our big history can change is by waiting another thousand years. And, and in all reality, another 13.8 billion years to find out if we were wrong. That's kind of cool. That's kind of awesome. Each origin story we build uh, with every new creation of one encompasses the last one by either having trying to prove it or disprove it. And it lasts it, it it we always make it better you know so th so that it can be passed on and we want the next generation to look at our origin story and say i don't believe you i want to go yeah. i want to go see if it's true and then boom exploration and betterment of mankind exists right and then that's that's ultimately it it's that's that's why that's I, why it resonates yes, right yes. because ancient ancient astronaut theory it builds a mythology because it gives us an origin, it gives us a purpose, it gives us a path, and it it's trying to show us where where we go next and what next uh, the next big leaps are taken. Big history is effectively taking uh, modern science and 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 history and painting a current modern mythology for the modern day and yeah. and yes. for current civilization. And it's saying here here is the completely secular scientifically based mythology of life the universe and everything and and that's that and it and it resonates not because people necessarily agree with it not because they think it all sounds perfect but because it gives us those big chunks of of satisfying completion in origin and in purpose and it ties things together and it tells us in big steps and even then the littler steps in between it, where things have come from, where we are and where we think we're going. And that's one of the reasons why ancient astronaut theory, it just is so darn popular. It has stayed that popular because it resonates. It resonates for a reason, whether you agree with it or not, whether you believe in extraterrestrial influence whether you believe there's any life in the universe anywhere, 
when you hear these stories and you think, wow, the anytime there are these these introductions of extraterrestrials in the story, it means that man took some sort of huge leap. And if you take the aliens out, then you can ask the question, okay, well, if those leaps weren't, if these weren't nudges from somebody else, then these were our own leaps right. in advancement and in technology and in construction and in all sorts of things. So then how do we do it? That's a new question. Yes. So it, it presents that and it helps us think about that in a big picture that maybe we haven't done in a while. Yes. And ultimately Von Daniken kind of stated that when he first, now, you know, you're kind of pushed into your career by, by stuff. But in the beginning, in the early days, I met him, me and Davis, uh, we're in, we're in Spain and, uh, we had a 72 hour libo and this was back in 2000 end of end of 2004. I believe we were there. It may have been, May have been in toward, may have actually been the end of 2003 or very beginning of 2004 that we were there. Uh, I had heard of Von Daniken, you know, Eric Von Daniken. And when I, I remember walking by the, the school that he was talking at because the school looked like a rundown factory. Uh, and it was cool because you went in there and, and there was just tons of people. It was crazy. And, uh, we sat down. We were the only two, uh, Americans there. We met him at a cafe. Uh, shortly afterwards, uh, we, the Davis and I went to go drink, uh, <coughs> coffee and only coffee at, and he was there and, uh, and we sat down and talked to him and I, you know, I, hindsight being 2020, if I'd known who the man was at the time, really known who he was or who he would become, or even that I'd be interested in the things that he, that he did years later, uh, I would have asked him so many more questions when he first got into his ancient alien theory, he wanted just to explain to people that there was another option out there that, that he came across all this evidence and he had a whole bunch of evidence, you know, and he still does this day. And that he said, this is, I'm presenting an alternate truth, uh, take it or leave it. And the only reason it, it kind of, I think that stuck with him now is people kept telling him, he was wrong, but couldn't prove it. <laughs> so he was able to write more books. I mean, it, it was like 13 books by now or 17 books by now. Uh, each one building off people saying he was wrong. Uh, because it's funny because someone will present all this, you know, the Baghdad battery, perfect example, uh, will say you're wrong. This was made for electroplating. And, and scientists go, oh, duh, electroplating. Oh, of course, it's not. There, It wasn't for lighting up the pyramids. Uh, which we still haven't figured out how they did. And then you go, oh, okay, so so it's from electroplating jewelry. Okay, cool. So where can I go see this jewelry in museums? Oh, well, there's no evidence uh, that they knew how to electroplate. But you you just said that Van Daniken was wrong and that this was for electroplating. So it's kind of there's evidence that you look at and you go, I, you know, I, I love watching the show Ancient Aliens. And about once every four shows, I sit back and go, Dude, what if this guy's right? Hey, <laughs> what if this guy's right? And it takes me, you know, a full day or so of, of just walking around going, and I have to read some books again, and I have to go over my basic high school knowledge and go, okay, is this, is this really what's out there? And sometimes, you know, Von Daniken's right. There's some stuff out there you can't explain, and 
And that's a helicopter that's carved into that wall. I don't care what you say. I don't care what scientist will come up to me and, and talk to me till they're blue in the face. That's a helicopter. <laughs> There's nothing else even remotely that looks the same on any other wall in Egypt. That's a helicopter. Uh, and then there's other times where I'm like, no, no, that's a beetle. That's obviously a beetle. It's not some flying saw. That's a beetle. Uh, so it's back and forth constantly. And I would not be as knowledgeable now on just human history and, and our evolution on the planet if I hadn't gotten into ancient aliens to begin with, because I wanted to either prove it right or wrong. You know, you should go through life always trying to prove every step of the way that you're wrong. Not right, but wrong. Uh, and then the world just opens up to you. Then you get a sense yep. of understanding. Uh, and I think that's what, you know, resonates with ancient alien theories, whether he's right or wrong. He caused a whole generation and many generations from here on out to question our origins. Uh, that is the same thing that the second guy did after the first guy told the very first origins story. He left his cave, went back to his house and he said, dude, I can write a better origin story, you know, or I can explain that better. You know, this, this isn't God going behind mountains. This is God having a big battle. This is this going down and doing this and, you know, and so it evolved. People wanted to, to challenge people and what better way to challenge someone than give them, give them a theory and say, I'm right. You're wrong. Prove me wrong. Prove, prove otherwise. You know, and mankind just has an innate ability to want to go out there and contradict, you know, even ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that's it. And, and you hit the nail on the head there is that uh, just like you, Chariot of the Gods, which I think at the time so has sold or maybe initially it sold half a million copies and now it's up to multi-millions. I'm getting my numbers wrong on this. Uh, but it's late, so that's okay. Um, but the, the point is, billion, sixty-three million, and 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 there translated are translated into thirty-two languages. There are archaeologists all over the planet doing research right now, saying that that will tell you that Chariot of the Gods is the reason that they got into archaeology in the first place, and 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 it's that influential, and it it made uh, that much of an impact, you know. Hey, out there, there's someone is picking up Jared of the Gods, and whether they're using it to disprove or prove something, it's going to help them, you know, just like. Or they're using it to hold something down on the desk. Uh, it's it's in there. The point is, it's in their possession because this book is still floating around. Yeah. And if you haven't read it, if you haven't, if you aren't familiar with it, one, I don't know how you've gotten all the way through this this episode. Uh, but because, you know, you, you're you're not interested in it and you don't want to know anything about the world whatsoever. Uh, but if you haven't read it and you're familiar with this show, just uh, with with ancient astronaut theory, just from the TV show, go pick up Charity of the Gods and, and read it. It's it's interesting. It's a journey to take and it will make you think. Um, and that's the fun about it. And, yeah. and it'll it'll stick in your head. But uh, and yeah, I mean, that's use it. Go create your own theory and then come on the podcast. Email Ryan and, and state your own theory and, and prove that that the evolution of of the origin myth is ever going everlasting. You know, Von Danikins will will sprout a million more myths. Uh, and what's great about that is, you know, hey, one of them is going to be true. We may never know. What story 
is true about our past, but somewhere out there, there's an origin story that is true. Yeah. We just don't know yeah. it, you know? Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think that we have uh, exhausted this topic for the day, and I think we should wrap it up and call it a day. And I, you know, we've, we've nailed it. I, I think this, this discussion proves that you, these, these topics, the, these, not just hypotheses, but this, this approach to telling a historical story and in, or even if you want to call it an interpretation of history as a big narrative, as a big picture, as a big history, as an, or a big ancient alien theory, it resonates. It sticks in our minds. It answers, it answers questions the way we want. And that's just, it, it promotes discussion. It promotes debate and it causes us to want to answer the big picture and understand the big past. So, I mean, that's great. And I do appreciate it. I, you know, Mike, thanks again for, for joining me today to go over this. You know, I appreciate that. It, it made this conversation a lot more interesting than just, uh, just some highlights it, cause it's more than just a history lesson on ancient astronaut theory. It, it has to be a, a discussion because that's what, <laughs> that's what people are doing. They're not just sitting around taking in ancient astronaut theory and going, hmm, that's interesting, and walking off. They're either receiving it wholeheartedly or they are um, rejecting it vehemently and violently. And either side is going to tell you very strongly yeah. what they think about it. Uh, maybe maybe this big history movement is going to completely change that, and we will move away from, these, from the fascination and, and the discussions of – ancient uh ancient aliens but who knows maybe it'll maybe it'll help be the catalyst to prove ancient you know nothing in the big history would would disprove anything that von daniken said because yeah. big history does seem to be that good origin story that's like dude we're just going to explain how how things are and and how they got here we're not going to go into the nitpicking stuff because unknown history that's just unknown history that's why they call it you know unknown history but we will find yeah. out one day Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for joining both of us and uh, and going over this topic. Uh, you know, I know that it was a long discussion, and uh, this is actually just just part of uh, tackling the ancient aliens theory. Uh, so, you know, we will uh, with the next episode, we're going to actually talk about the show, the television show, yeah. ancient aliens itself, and uh, and so look forward to that. Um, but until then, you know, just just wait and catch up with the show. Of course, please click that you know follow that subscribe button so that you don't miss it this upcoming discussion and any of the future uh, episodes. Uh, you can connect with uh, the show via email at contact at conspiracytheorylogy.com. Join the Facebook discussion group. You can find me on Twitter at theoryologypod. Um, and of course, you know, I always ask that you go out there and you recommend the show to others. That's the best way to do that. Social share is just the best way to help the show grow. You know, all of this info, it can be found at the show website, conspiracytheoryology.com, including how to support the, the podcast on Patreon. Uh, the music, as always, is by Adam Henry Garcia. If you'd like to hear more of his stuff, adamhenrygarcia.bandcamp.com. 
Okay. I'll see you again next time, and I will uh, be joined again by Mike. So we will see you again next time. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, And that's when we will tackle another theory and make sense of the public popularity. So until then, remember, beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theoryology.